for all women. Hello, Hannah here, and welcome to this week's episode of the Standard Issue Podcast. It's a gig cast week. Hooray! Not only did you get that nice long weekend for Easter, you then get to listen to this. And I do hope that most of you did get a long weekend off for Easter. Anyway, this was the show that we recorded back in February at our new venue at King's Place in London. And we had a lovely time. We had two brilliant guests. Number one, comedian and all-round top woman, Sarah Pascoe. Number two, presenter and woman who knows absolutely everything about sport, Claire Balding. It was hosted by Jen and I, and we had an absolutely lovely time. We talked about all sorts, including why my water usage is incredibly low, and it's not because I'm dirty, just FYI. We talked about we talked about assumptions that people make about us, including, spoiler alert with Claire Balding, is that everybody wants to tell her their story about riding a horse. I did try to do that, actually. She wasn't that interested. Now we know why. I could go on and on, but you could, you know, just listen to it because it was a lot of fun and that's coming up now. If you find yourself listening to this and thinking, that sounds like fun, I wish I could get involved. The great news is you can. And by get involved, I mean sit in the audience and laugh heartily. Our next event is back at King's Place on May the 19th when Mickey and Jen will be talking to comedian Sindhu V. And actor and comedian Catherine Tate. That sounds great, doesn't it? Okay, if you want to buy tickets for that or any of our other shows, you need to get yourself to www.standardissuepodcast.com forward slash live hyphen events. Or you could go to the King's Place website. Keep your eye out on Twitter, where we are at Standard Issue UK. And we'll be back next week with another pod scene. Until then. Welcome to the Standard Issue Podcast. Nice work. Oh, that's lovely. Okay, so I, how many of you have been to a standard issue recording before? Yay! So you know the form. We introduce ourselves with who we are, a brief description of ourselves, and a fun fact. Um, so I'm going to start. I'm Hannah Dunleavy. I am one quarter of the standard issue team. Oh, I've done this about 20 times now, so the definition of fun is being slightly stretched. But <laughs> yesterday I spoke to my water provider... Fun, and they told me that in other single single occupancy residents like mine, I am in the lowest ten percent of consumers. Mm. I know it's nice to be exceptional in some way, even if it's just that I don't leave the tap running when I brush my teeth. Slightly worried about your personal hygiene. (laughs) Everyone keeps saying that but I decided I don't know what everyone else does with water because I just do the same stuff that everybody else does but I just seem to use a lot less water I think it must be a sex thing that I don't know about sex sex does need some cleaning up afterwards (laughs) (laughs) with water (laughs) over to you Claire um my name is do I say everything yes okay Uh, uh, my name is Claire Balding um I am a Broadcaster, and have suddenly gone really shy. <laughs> what am I? Who am I? Why am I here on Valentine's night? Which we haven't yet acknowledged that we're sharing the love with each other. Uh, I'm a broadcaster and an author, and 
on, when I started writing children's books, I thought it'd be fun to put a little bio, you know, that was kind of entertaining. So I said, I, when I was young, I thought I was a dog. And this little girl at, at a literary festival in Jersey, only about four or five, she put her hand up and she said, um, Miss, Miss, could I ask you, when did you realise that you weren't a dog? <laughs> and did you work it out for yourself or did your parents have to tell you? And I thought that was such a sweet thing. That then I wrote a book called The Girl Who Thought She Was a Dog for, for World Book Aww. Day last year, and that's why I did, yeah. And All inspired by this four or five-year-old child who, when she's about 25, will come after me. For yeah. <laughs> was it a particular breed of dog? Yeah, boxer. You know, there were squidgy faces, really, yeah, yeah lovely wrinkles, bad breath. Then. <laughs> Do you know about, like, dogkins and catkins and stuff? Oh, so they're... Someone does. They're, um, they're adults who identify as dogs or cats. And there's even there's someone who thinks they're a piece of toast. It's a really fun part of the internet. I shall not look. <laughs> it's not saucy. <laughs> if, I, if I made it sound saucy, it's not. <laughs> I'm only interested if it's a piece of toast that also has Jesus' face on it. Oh, holy toast. Yeah. Yeah. They are my favourite. Yeah. How many have you had? <laughs> no, but there's all sorts of things you'll find on the internet of people who can see oh, Jesus' see. face in stuff. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, actually, that's the brain, isn't it? We see faces all the time in things that aren't faces. I see it in rocks. When I go walking, I'm yeah. always seeing faces or animals, I mean, animals yeah. in rock formations, Yeah. obviously. But it's, it's safety, isn't it? It's so that if there were animals looking at you in the bushes, <laughs> that is why. Are they not faces out there? <laughs> no, it's a shrubbery. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the voice of Sarah Pascoe, you can oh, hear. Oh, sorry, uh, Sarah Pascoe. Well, I, yesterday I did a gig in um, Birmingham and a lady from the audience, she gave me this necklace, which I've worn especially because it is Valentine's Day for you, and it's the oxytocin molecule. That she's made. I know, isn't that incredible? So if you don't know, the oxytocin molecule is the one that's kind of responsible for mother and child bonding and also you release it when you orgasm with somebody and also any kind of physical... It's probably with a hairdresser, actually, as well. Any kind of, like, nice, affectionate touching. <laughs> <laughs> I love the hairdressers. Um, so that's my Valentine's Day fun fact. Nice. Um, I'm Jen Offord. I am a quarter of the Standard Issue podcast team as well. And because Claire Balding is here, and we've discussed this earlier, I am one handshake from Thierry Henry on Valentine's Day. So I'm taking that as a massive win. <laughs> <laughs> am I the one that you're... Like, I've got to get past you first, Claire. OK. But, um, you actually kissed me hello, and I have kissed Thierry Henry, so you're not just one handshake away. <laughs> that is a game-changer. <laughs> you may well now be pregnant with Thierry Henry's child. <laughs> We'll cut that from the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get that Daily Mail reporter hidden in the audience. <laughs> Please start on it. No, don't start it. <laughs> don't do it. Have you got a question, Jen? I do, yeah. So, as, as discussed, it is Valentine's Day today, or Valentine's Night. So, what is the most cringy thing you have ever done for love or to get someone's attention in general. And I'm going to start with you, Thierry Henry, Kiss and Claire Balding. Well, I had to work very, very hard to persuade my wife, Alice, that I was worth spending any time with at all. So I would write notes all, uh, and leave them all... Well, here's what happened, right? When we, when we met, um, 
I I thought that she, I, I thought she'd asked me to stay, and actually she hadn't. She'd said, "You stay, I'll go out and get a bottle of wine." And I thought it was like, "You stay." I said, "No, I'll get the wine." So I came back with a bottle of wine and my toothbrush because I thought I'd been asked to stay. <laughs> and then I made sure I didn't leave at all ever. Just typical lesbian. This is what we do. <laughs> Moved in, and I'm not going anywhere. And uh, yeah, you're now living with me. But I'm, she was very reluctant to live with me. She had a list on her fridge of reasons not to get involved with me at all. And so I left notes everywhere, all saying, "Will you live with me? Will you live with me? Will you live with me?" All on the stairs. Really weird. I now think it's very odd stalkerish behaviour. <laughs> And like 16 years later, we're still together, which is a triumph, I think. I mean, Alice might not agree, but. Uh, you wore her down. I did. <laughs> she, she did give me a Valentine's card this morning that just was love heart and said, in it, you'll do. Uh, <laughs> it sounds a little bit like you've trapped her. <laughs> I, I have, yeah. yes. Uh, I tell her now it's illegal. She can't leave because we're married. It's illegal. <laughs> where is she? I know you're joking, but where is she? <laughs> she in a cellar somewhere. It's Valentine's, <laughs> it's Valentine's Day. So she went to the dentist to get a filling. And we're meeting later at Nando's. Oh, yes. We <laughs> actually are. Because <laughs> I, I gave her a Nando's voucher in yes. her stocking at Christmas for £20. Yeah. Which she says is the gift that keeps on taking because it's not quite enough to cover a meal for two and wine. And I will be having a glass of wine. She clearly won't, because she'll be dribbling, because she's still got um, oh, injection yes. in her mouth. Do you, do you still write her notes and leave them around the house? They mainly now say, have you fed the dog? Because he's telling me, you know, or I have yes. fed the dog, because otherwise he'll Is pretend he hasn't. Is it a dog hasn't. or a small child? <laughs> <laughs> have, you che- have you checked? <laughs> Not recently, no. <laughs> Sarah, what about you? I think my most embarrassing things very similar area, although yours has a very happy ending. Um, for no, me, yes. Yeah, no, for both of you, you'll be being joking. But um, I am, I, that thing, you know what you get when you really fancy someone at the beginning is it is obsessive. It, it, it takes over all of the cliches about first thought in the morning and last thought, and, um, and it can become kind of like a mission. When I was a, a tour guide on the buses, I liked this boy called Chris so much and that I wasn't really doing, pointing out London landmarks, I was just looking out for his bus. <laughs> and, um, and so, and occasionally, I would only ever get to meet him and I thought this was so romantic. Um, like. At, traffic nights sometimes when his bus was going in one way and mine was going another way and I knew he liked reading so I'd be like have you read L'Etranger by Albert Camus and he would say no and then I would lend him sometimes I would pass him a book and then a couple of weeks later he would read it but it just meant I was obsessed with him all the time and then he went to Australia and I went to Australia I know, which I know is a twist. Um, I'd never Beat kissed... that, Claire. <laughs> he, de- he, de- he definitely didn't fancy me back, but I think out of guilt kissed me because I went to Sydney. <laughs> and also I pretended, how bad is this? My dad lives in Australia, I'd never been. I pretended it was to see him. <laughs> it wasn't, it was to go and see this guy who out of guilt kissed me and then never saw him again. So you don't know where Chris is now? Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> Got him on Google Earth. Yeah, the, the, the internet means you always know. <laughs> but that is embarrassing. That thing where you just you, you you can ignore a lot of signs. You know when that film, that book. Oh, he's just not that into you. And obviously that's not a gendered thing. Someone's just not that into you. But I don't know how anyone has the self-respect to go. Yeah, but if I knock on that door a few more times. <laughs> I mean, you've kind of. Um 
you've sort of ruined my story because mine was <laughs> someone ghosted me. Oh, yeah. And uh, I was at my mate's house who lived nearby his house and I saw him get off the train when I was on her balcony and I was so incensed with rage I just went to his house to like have it out with him. He didn't answer the door. Um, so, yeah. How did he know it was you? Like, how did he know? Because he was like actively avoiding me, and I had but, it, but like the ghosting started that day. Oh, so that's quite but, that's quite soon to decide he's ghosting you. Oh no, but he was. Yeah. <laughs> so did, did did he block you? Yes. Did he? Yeah, he did after that. Yeah. yeah. Um, after you bashed on his door, going, "Why have you ghosted me?" Yeah. Yes, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Hannah? Um, <laughs> well, I'm pleased to say I'm the only person on this stage that hasn't stalked someone by the look of it. I actually find all romance a bit cringy, to be honest. It doesn't really do it for me at all. I've actually only ever managed to hold on to a boyfriend long enough to do a Valentine's Day once. And uh, he came around my house and he said, um, I was going to buy you flowers, but I thought you might tell me to fuck off. So I, <laughs> I bought you a hammer. <laughs> I was absolutely delighted because yeah. I thought he knows me. Yes. That's that's a good thing. Did you need a hammer? I, I, when do, everyone needs a hammer, Jen. Yeah. The thing is, regardless of Valentine's Day, someone thinking about what you want—that is the point. Yeah. He thought this is the cliche thing to get, the classic, but not for you. And that's the that's the really romantic mm. thing about it. Yeah. And yeah, you've got a hammer now. I did. <laughs> yeah. Have you still got the hammer? Actually, I've got a collection of hammers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mostly from uh, uh, my my dad was a uh, carpenter, and most of his family were tradesmen. And um, no I seem to inherit a load toast. of hammers. <laughs> <laughs> I have a selection of, of hammers yeah. from dead carpenters. My mom, when I moved into a house by myself, my mum sent me a hammer in the post. Um, I must add, without a note. Um, <laughs> it's just a How hammer. much did that cost to post a hammer? Oh, money's no object. Um, <laughs> not, not for my mother. Um, she sent me a hammer, and I asked why, because I thought it was for DIY, and I thought that's quite good. She, I, I can't put anything. It's a rented flat. I can't put anything up. And she said. Um, that she'd read a study about um, women who have weapons to protect themselves and all of the statistics show that these women with guns and knives that the statistics show if you've got one it's far more likely to be used upon you as you're mm. overpowered by an intruder. No statistics on hammers. <laughs> <laughs> so now I sleep with a hammer in my bed <laughs> in case the Golden, Gate, uh, Golden State Killer gets out <laughs> and I'm going to get him. <laughs> Sensible. Yeah. So there's some Valentine's presents ideas there for you. Um, okay, I have a question. Claire, you write books for children um, and you are giving children a role model, I think. Can I ask where the pair of you saw yourself reflected in pop culture when you were growing up? I'm going to start with Sarah. That's a very, very interesting question, actually. Thank you. It's very interesting <laughs> because I think your sense of belonging as a young person depends on if you see yourself anywhere and how... I think, oh, I loved Matilda. Actually, Matilda, I think, is quite common for people who love reading and don't feel, who feel quite isolated, not very popular. And um, so, so, yeah, someone like Matilda. And I loved the idea that you could have this powerful vengeance. Because obviously okay. that's the dark side of Matilda, is that it's a, a very abusive childhood. And lasers come out of her eyes. <laughs> and that's the happy ending. <laughs> Um, yeah, I really loved her. Great. What about you, Claire? Timmy the dog in Famous Five. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> and then later, when I was a bit older, 
and Ellen DeGeneres was obviously mm. her sitcom was on on the telly, and I watched that obsessively. And then when she came out, she was on the front of Time magazine in America, and I do remember putting that. We were in America because my dad's a, a, a half American. Um, and we were over there seeing his sister, and I kept putting the magazine in front of my mum, going, she's amazing, she is. She's fantastic, you should read that article. And I, I then thought I'd come out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I thought so that... How, cl- how much clearer could I be? <laughs> <laughs> she's great, I want to be like her. Yeah, uh, there you yeah. go. I thought that was yeah. kind of it. Yeah. What about you, Jen? Uh, very obvious choice, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> Not because of all the demons I was killing, though you've been to Harwich. Yeah. <laughs> Might be a hellmouth, who knows? <laughs> I, just, I don't know, I just liked her. She was quite, you know, fierce. She's a very important... We studied her at university, do you remember? I wasn't on your course. OK. Um, well, <laughs> so I did English literature at Sussex, and um, in our first term, they must be so used to kind of students not wanting to read books anymore that we studied, and I've never seen it, so it didn't make any sense to me, but we started, studied it. Buffy as a matriarchal figure because it mm. passes through the woman yeah. and her menstrual blood is magic. I wasn't really concentrating. <laughs> Possibly. Is that right? I think uh, her menstrual you... blood is magic. Well, she's magic. She's a vampire Well, slayer. so, 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 period. Well, sure. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Hannah? Um, we've, uh, we did this question once before, about three years ago. We did it at Latitude, and I gave an answer that everybody cheered at, and now I think that they wouldn't cheer at it, because the answer I gave was Darlene Connor in yes. Roseanne, oh. because that was a working-class oh, family. Yes. She was a middle child. Yeah. See, no cheer now. It makes me sad. I was worried you were going to say Cosby Show. <laughs> it could be worse. No, but that's yeah. another yes, thing. Yeah. Childhood things just ruined by terrible people. But yes, mm. I, I didn't think there were many working-class families on television when I was growing up. So yeah, I think she was... And she also had stupid curly hair and dressed up as a boy most of the time, which yeah. I did as a teenager. She was brilliantly sarcastic. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, so, Roseanne. Yeah. What about Blossom? Can we still like Blossom? Who's Blossom? Do you remember Blossom? So there was this... She had a hat. Six. Blossom had a hat. Mm. She was also in Beaches, playing the young Bette, M- Bette Midler. Oh. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, maybe. Oh, she's the one in the, uh, the Big the, Bang Theory, isn't it? Oh, she in the Big Bang Theory. And then Six was her friend, and then there was a boy with the hair. Joey Lawrence. Joey Lawrence. Yeah. Is that his name? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, this, oh, what's the other one? My So-Called Life. That's the one oh, I would have, yeah. as a teenager, identified with. This is like shopping in Lidl. I don't recognise anything. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just sitting here feeling really old. <laughs> Thinking, God, the Enid Blyson reference has gone straight over their heads. So I, never oh, I loved a bit of Enid Blyson. Yeah, yeah, me too. But then she's younger. another one, obviously very racist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's another one. <laughs> she's another one that we're not allowed to know. No, it's not even a lot allowed. I would never tell anyone you're not allowed, because obviously you can't take a, something out of culture, but you have to now understand it. It was bad. It's oh, racism. Yeah. I don't know. I want to take Ryan Adams out of culture today. That makes me I didn't very s- see what sad. it was. Is it young people? Yeah, it? it's... Yeah, not uh, not illegally young, I don't think, but, yeah, it's... Ryan Adams? Ryan oh, okay. Adams. <laughs> <laughs> Although, I think Brian Adams needs to take out a full-page effort in every newspaper to say, just to be clear... <laughs> it's not me. It's not me. Okay. But, yeah, like, sort of manipulative bullshit, okay. m- men abusing power. Yeah. And up until about 24 hours ago, I thought he was great. Yeah. Well, on that bombshell. Yes. <laughs> Move on. Yeah. 
So we quite often talk on the podcast about how people like to put women in boxes and you're both well, women actually, that... Actually. Actual boxes. I mean, I think I some of them do. I could have tried that, you see. I could have tried that. Then Alice couldn't have gone anyway. In a box. <laughs> I'm not convinced she's not in a box right now. <laughs> yeah, right now. That whole thing so about... go to the yeah, dentist. That whole thing about she might be talking funny out of her mouth yeah. because she's gone to the dentist. Mm. She's actually a sock puppet. <laughs> Claire takes to Nando's. The good thing is she won't listen to this. <laughs> she really won't. God, I'm not listening to you again. So you both work in quite male-dominated areas. So what is the biggest wrong assumption that people make about you? Who are we starting with? Oh, good point. Well done. Um, Sarah? So this has got nothing to do with gender unfortunately but it's not related at all and also How dare I, know, you? I know that in terms of like male dominated industry but actually I work majoritively with women like my book editor's a woman my agent is a woman so there are also a lot of women at every kind of part of the industry um, but the, no, the problem with comedy is people think you're going to be funny or, or, <laughs> or hope you're going to be funny and the thing is I'm a very serious person and like the thing that you were just saying there about Ryan Adams there are so many things in the world that you can't help having an emotional or um, empathetic reaction to and you actually don't want to be flippant very much of the time and it's your job and yeah, if someone's come to a show the show should be funny, it's called comedy, but the rest of your life, <laughs> the rest of your life isn't. I um, moved house at the weekend and the removal men, um, they had a form for me to sign that was printed out, but at the, begin at the top someone had written in biro, comedian, question mark, and I didn't know if that, I didn't know if that was really bitchy, like, <laughs> in quotations, like comedian, or if they'd gone, oh, maybe that's the comedian, but either way, they had a very boring day with me. <laughs> boring <laughs> I think I think the assumption people make with me is that I always would like to talk about their experience with a horse I mean not in a <laughs> that sounds that sounds really really yeah. Catherine the Great is the expression you're looking yeah. for there but yeah. I don't mean that experience with the horse any experience with the horse they once met they like that I would like to share that with them and really, I start to glaze over. Do you have I, a polite way of getting out of it? If someone's like, oh, I'll tell you what you like. I, um, I went to Chichester, and there was, a, <laughs> there was this horse. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and what would you say to get away from it? Uh, <laughs> or do you just listen? I'm yeah. sort of unfailingly polite, oh. so I would stand there and be nice. Oh. I know, pathetic, pathetic need for people to like me, and therefore I couldn't possibly be rude. Yeah. No, no, I'd, tragic. But oh, Alice would come in and say, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Leave her alone. Mm. She doesn't want to talk about your horse or mm. any horse you've ever met. Yeah. And she'd say it for me. Nice. I rode a horse once. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> Good. <laughs> now, I would be interested in tips for horses, yeah. I think, rather than horse Oh, stories, yeah, horse racing. But, mm. One of my lies I told at school, I pretended I had a horse. And I built the lie up to such an extent that a friend and her family walked through three fields to come and meet it. And I don't know what I thought I would do. I just, I, I thought eventually we'll see a horse and I'll say it's that one. You <laughs> see, that I find really interesting. But I, I've, just remember, I've just remembered what the end of the story was. Eventually we gave up 
I went back to their house and rang my mum and told her my horse had been stolen. <laughs> what was it called? I didn't name it. I don't, I don't think I named it. I just think, I just, this is where I'm a comedian, is because I was just such a pathological liar that I just kind of made up this, and I thought I was so incredibly convincing. I told people that Mariah Carey was my babysitter. <laughs> She was. <laughs> God. Like, like she'd just fly over from Miami <laughs> to, to Rumpford for some extra cash. <laughs> have you ever been near Mariah Carey? Have you ever? I mean, you, what happens on the day when you meet her? I don't think I'm going to meet her again. <laughs> I don't think her paths are going to cross. And if they do, she's going to say, what are you doing out of bed? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I'll do, is I'll take some pictures and put them up on my, my school, old school's website and go, in, in your face. <laughs> I find sometimes it's the, the opposite. I have, like, a number of stories that I tell people that are categorically true, but people assume that they're not. Although, actually, just apropos of nothing, another friend of mine was on an aeroplane on September the 11th that ended up diverted to Canada. And I went to see Come From Away, the musical musical about it, because I think that was one of those stories people were like, why haven't we heard about this? So you're like, well, I don't know if you know this, but something else massive happened on that day as well. So that's why nobody heard about it. How long were they there for? Five days. Five days. Yeah, it's really good. You should go. Yeah, really good. You should go. My friend told me it was better than Hamilton. I mean, have you seen Hamilton? I have seen Hamilton. I don't know if it was. I don't know. My friend who hasn't seen Hamilton told me it was better than (laughs) Hamilton (laughs) because better than Hamilton just means really good now. You just want to go. It's really good. And you can get tickets for it. Yes. Yeah. You don't have to remortgage your house. Yeah. Yeah. Although it is worth it. I'm not saying you shouldn't go to Hamilton. Just a bit expensive. I tried to get tickets for um, Michelle Obama the other day. Have you seen the price of the, the section that's left? Oh. You have to join as well to get tickets. You have to join what? Oh, maybe it's a different yeah. thing. The one at the National, when she was here at the National. This Theater. is the one at the O2. Oh, on okay. The, yeah. uh, April the 12th or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you try and get tickets as well? Yeah, you got them. Oh. We wow. can mark them. You're really Damn rich. <laughs> No. Not the expensive. Oh, you got in there quicker. Yeah. I was thinking of it as a Valentine's present. You see, I thought I'd say, oh, here's two tickets to Michelle Obama. How brilliant. And then I went, how, how much are they? Oh. £450 pounds each. Fucking hell. It's only section Michelle. eight that's there. Yeah. yeah. Well. No, but I, well, no, it's not her setting the price of her ticket. Well, unless you do. Do you set the price of your tickets? There's a discussion about ticket price. I Is never there? think that the act doesn't have something to do with it. But I think oh. she's also then giving a lot of it to you know, her foundation, or whatever her foundation will get yeah. on. No, I think there is some, often a thing, as long as they make sure that a proportion of tickets are accessible, quite often, and like with Hamilton as well, where you have the £10 tickets mm. in the lottery, and then you get rich people to fund yeah. everything else, yeah. So that's you. <laughs> 450. I know, but I didn't. But when didn't you originally said them. I was trying to get tickets for Michelle Obama, I thought you meant you were getting her Hamilton tickets. <laughs> Like, oh yeah, because we're really good friends. Yeah. I'm a fixer. Yeah. For <laughs> I do quite often say, I can do that for you. So, right, really, this is a true story. <laughs> the, the day after my 40th birthday, 
for my 40th birthday party, James Corden had asked if I would rock up and do this sketch for Comic Relief. And I, I'd filmed one section with Rio Ferdinand, and then they had that Paul McCartney was going to be sitting next to me at the table, so could I come in and do another bit of filming so that they could have me sitting next to Paul McCartney, and don't worry, it'll all look in the edits if you're all in there together. Anyway, he was absolutely lovely. And someone had told him it was my birthday. So when I walked in, or the day after my birthday, he started singing happy birthday to me. Paul McCartney did. And I was so touched by that. I thought it was so sweet that I said to him, yeah, I said, it's been really nice meeting you. I said, if you ever want tickets to the Grand National, <laughs> just, let, just let me know. And I thought, what an absolute arse. He's Paul McCartney. He, like, owns Liverpool. He doesn't need your BBC passes to the Grand National. Yeah, come and join us in the... You know, we got really good catering as well. I'm at the back of the trucks. It's brilliant. Did he tell you about the time he did us? Do you have an anecdote for you? He did tell me quite a good story about a racehorse that he don't doubt, and I didn't mind that. Okay, I have another question. Um, if you could do any job, any job at all, I mean, I'm big, um, what, would, what would you like to do, Claire? Um, quite like to be sports minister, but I'm not sure in current <laughs> the current state of affairs, I'm not sure that anyone wants to be a politician anymore. So um, uh, I would love to, oh, I don't know, quite like to host the Oscars. It's a job that's going, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. That's what I'd like to How do. are your tweets? Past tweets? I think they're okay. okay. I think so. <laughs> Haven't done a full... No, and I'm, I'm very good now at not replying to people who annoy me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I wait on it, or I say, I'm sure you think you're right. Because uh, that's suitably patronising. Yeah. <laughs> and it'll really annoy them. Yeah. Thank you so much for your feedback. I'm sure you think you're right. It's fine. Are they just going with no one this year? They are, they're doing they? like, yeah, they're yeah. just doing different people for different sections. So they'll get the great and the good. I mean, it'll be a good show. Yeah. I'm not. Well, I, yeah, it's it's an odd thing that whole field. It's become quite tricky. Yeah. Because mm. I don't like I don't like them having a go at people who are in the room waiting who've had a great year by very virtue mm. of the fact they're in the room. They've had a great year. Yeah. So just you know, be nice and uplifting and positive yeah. about the industry. Don't. Well, that's why you I think know, what Tina Fey... I know it's the Golden Globes, not the Oscars, but you can make really, really yeah. funny jokes. Tina Fey and uh, Amy Poehler... They were fun. I watch it on YouTube yeah. all the time because... Fantastic. Obviously, there's a team of joke writers, but they made a decision to make jokes at the correct targets, like when they pronounced um, Tom Hanks... Tim Honks. <laughs> <laughs> like they just, they just, it was so celebratory. Yeah. They were so, every, every joke was so perfect in terms of not punching down. And you, you can be really funny and not just bully people. And I think you can change the tone of it all. I think yes. you can, yeah. yeah, essentially, I think they probably need to rethink this whole set up. Well, but I, I like the fact that more female hosts are getting a chance, whether it's Sue Perkins doing the BAFTAs or Joanna Lumley doing the yeah. film BAFTAs, you know. Um, that's a good thing. And you're right, Tina and Amy West were fab. And Ellen yeah. was great when yeah. she did it. Absolutely great. And again, she, her humour is a kind humour. Yeah, it's, it's not... so warm. It's so lovely. Because mm. that's the thing about any kind. I think, obviously, I watch lots and lots of comedy and I love it and I love a perfect joke. But there's something about laughing at nastiness. You do go home feeling a little bit... It is like bullying where you're laughing because it's not at you. I think anyone who does that kind of comedy... And I know it's also very popular, so I'm not... We shouldn't really feel guilty if we no. do find it very funny. 
They did yeah. do that great joke about Wes Anderson riding a bicycle that he'd made out of tuba parts. Yeah. <laughs> or Quentin Tarantino, star of my sexual nightmares. <laughs> there, was a, there was an exquisite writing in it. Yeah. it is. What about you, Sarah? What would you do if do you know do anything? Do you know what? I think every day I should have been a policeman. Really? I should have been in the police, yeah. I really love crime. I've always... I, I love it, I love it. I, I just... I'm so upset. I don't know what it, what it was. It's podcasts reminded me how much I loved murder uh, as a child. And, uh, and, um, and so now... And, and I think it's really good storytelling, isn't it? For kind of following clues and... And, um, and I, oh, I really want to see a dead body. Just to know Do how you know feel. Val McDermott? She can sort that out for you. Could she? Yeah. I'll, I'll introduce you. Is this, is this a <laughs> dead body? Okay. I'm getting tickets to the Grand National and a dead body. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, think, I think the police do an incredible job. It's such an important part of society, and I know there's lots of negative things and there can be corruption, but in general, what an amazing thing to do every day and how brave they are. And, and also, like... Um, in certain communities, when I lived in Lewisham, the police were so important, they knew everyone, they treated everyone, they were friendly, and it completely changes an area when everyone kind of feels seen or that there is someone who could help them. Would you ride a bike? Yeah, probably. A really cool bike with yeah. a basket. <laughs> <laughs> that says police. Just Pop your dead bodies police here. Spoke. <laughs> <laughs> police spokey-dokies, maybe, yeah, that, that went round. Yeah. Yeah. You could ride your imaginary horse. I could ride my imaginary horse, but then the guys on the proper horses would laugh at me. <laughs> <laughs> the traffic cops. <laughs> I rode a horse the once. football right. Yes. <laughs> Jen, you got a jean job? Um, this one. Yeah, correct answer. There we go. Yeah. Or being a vampire slayer. You touch on body image in your kids' books. You talk about that quite a lot. And, Pasco, I know that you have thoughts about Instagram culture. So this is a bit of a broader question. But do you think that young women and girls growing up today have a tougher time than maybe we did when we were growing up? Um, Claire, let's start with you. <laughs> I, th I think... It's hard to... Right, what's tough and how are we grading it? We don't have to grade it. We don't have to say, oh, it's harder now or it's easier now. Oh, you should have lived in our day. It's so much more difficult. Than... It, it, it's just tough. I think, I think boys and girls have a tough time. I think adults mm. can have a tough time because I think we're tough on ourselves. Mm. I think we look at ourselves and go, I am not perfect and therefore I failed. And actually, nobody is perfect. I mean, obviously, there are a few exceptions. Perfect people. Gal Gadot, Wonder Woman, bloody hell, she's perfect. Because she was in the army. She's the one. That's, oh, God, yeah. What a heroine. And she does all her own stunts and everything. She's amazing. Anyway, apart from that. But I think we are... We are and, our, and our... You know, the, the, our, our brains haven't changed that much in the, you know, in the last sort of 40 to 50 years. So our brains are still working the same way, but I think they just become obsessed with different things. And obviously, popular culture is a huge influence on that. And if you keep seeing people whose every day is about is obsessing about themselves and whose light and camera is constantly turned in, that is going to create a lot more introspection and self-doubt. And I just think, let's turn it out again. Just turn it out again. Look at the world. Look at other people. Make other people happy. Make other people feel confident. Make other people feel that, you know, that you like them. Don't constantly go, do I like myself? Do I like myself? But that's much easier said, I think, than done. Mm. Sarah, what about you? So, I, yeah, I get, I like Claire. I don't think it's helpful to anyone to say it's worse now. Certainly, there's a whole different set of 
things going on. Um, I think that plastic surgery used to be um, for outliers. It was seen as extremism. And um, so someone like me, I'm 37. I don't think of myself as incredibly old. But when I see 20-year-olds, and I do, if I watch reality television, I love Love Island. And so when I see 20-year-olds who I consider so beautiful, and beautiful in the way you can only be when you're young, right? and, that, and that's an unfair thing, but young people are beautiful. And if you hate yourself, you have no awareness of that. And, and so the idea of very attractive people putting fillers, poisons in mm. their faces, um, and that that's now normality rather than, oh, that person has body dysmorphia, that person has... Um, when the first people had uh, wanted breast enlargements, um, and which was, is, by the way, still not a studied... Um, phenomenon. It's still under investigation. The suicide rates of people who have breast enlargements are much, much higher than the general population. If that happened with any other medicine, um, we'd really question it, it, what it was doing to people. So I, there's lots of people who've had a lot of plastic surgery in my family. And it could be a form of self-harm, but when it becomes... Yeah, so when people first asked for them, they were um, diagnosed as having mental health problems. Why would any healthy person want their body cut open to be a certain way? And I know it's, I'm not saying this in a moralistic way. It's actually something I really want to understand in people. And I do understand. I understand thinking your body's wrong or not sexy enough or not beautiful enough or you're not worthy of love. I understand all of those things. When something then becomes normalised, which means that I see adverts for cosmetic surgery, fillers, um, Botox and breast implants just coming here on the tube, mm. I worry about that because it's not that we all, all humans, I don't think that, there's studies like I wrote about for my book, um, they made supermodels look in the mirror and they, they did like a, a questionnaire beforehand about how they felt about themselves and after 10 minutes and after 15 minutes, everyone's self-esteem goes down the more you look at yourself. Supermodels, they don't keep looking going, oh my God, I'm so symmetrical. <laughs> all, all, you, all you look at, it, it's, it's, uh, you have this cognitive dissonance. We didn't evolve to look at ourselves. Mirrors are a very, very recent invention. You talk about the mind not changing. With this ancient, ancient ape who evolved to live in tribes and has a very small window of fertility if you've got a female body, a much longer window if you've got a male body. And being attractive to the people around you has a certain amount of weight. But now we live in a tribe of millions and billions and you have these massive images exposed to you and the, the anxiety you feel is completely natural and I think it is universal. And it's about how we push back if there's easy ways. And, and, I, and that's not me saying to, if you really, really want to do something. So I know that it's considered quite an unfeminist thing to say, oh, I don't think you should put poison in yourself. But I just really think questioning why you think the world wants that of you. And actually, interesting, if you look back at ancient mythology and the, and the myth of Narcissus, mm. he drowned. He yeah. fell in love with this reflection in the river or the lake, yes. and he drowned. Yeah. And the message was, don't be looking at your own image mm. to the point where you think, gosh, aren't I beautiful? I'll just kiss myself. Mm. And now our culture is all about, aren't I beautiful once I've touched myself up a bit with all of these different filters? Yeah. And now I can kiss myself. I don't well, think. But I think me. for lots of lots of people, the, the trick is they think other people think that they're beautiful. I think the majority of people, especially to take Instagram, who post pictures of themselves, don't think they're beautiful. They think under that light, in that position, I can trick you into thinking I'm better than I am, and everyone then thinks everyone else looks like that the rest of the time. That thing when the camera is the wrong way on your phone, <laughs> and you see yourself <laughs> trying to use it, just up your nostrils and your chin. You're like, oh, why do I have a camera on my phone? Why did I have to? Show me that. And you think you're the only person that happens to? <laughs> and everyone else just looks like, oh, hey. <laughs>
Yeah, I, I, I don't sort of really understand. I mean, I don't wear makeup. I haven't for about 20 years. It's not for any other reason than I'm pretty lazy and it takes effort and time. You have and... to wash it off with water. Yeah. <laughs> exactly that you suddenly up to 11 percent yeah um but i i what i find quite strange about that is when you see people like in that in a pose that clearly is not a natural way their face goes or that they put filters on it there's lighting on it the idea that if you see a picture of me in social media and then you bump into me in tesco i look pretty much exactly the same i I find it quite strange that you you would get to a situation where someone would be disappointed in you when you turned up and be like Well, actually, you say that with comedy, and it's strange because comedy's never been about beautiful people. It's not a beautiful industry. And the strange thing that's happened as more and more women have been permitted to join it or have become comedians is we have so many arguments about airbrushing. And if you go to the Edinburgh Festival, and it's not just women, but they airbrush the comedians' posters, and it's that exact same thing. I had a tour where I had a a really good photographer. She cost over £1,000. She did too much airbrushing on my poster and my, I got to venues and they didn't recognise me and they were standing opposite my poster at a box office and I had to get around and go, oh, no, I'm so sorry because without makeup on normally I don't look like that and it is, and it is odd because, but then again like we're a really visual animal like, and people mm. like looking at nice things and ca- comedy like everything is capitalist they're trying to sell stuff yeah 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 Although, I mean, personally, I, I actually think girls nowadays, or actually I think all young people, mm. have it tough at the minute in the sense that I got a free education. You yeah. don't get that anymore. I could just... I mean, I, owned, I, I, I bought a flat at a time yeah. when Northern Rock were lending 10 times your salary, yeah. right enough. Yeah. But I, I think it's almost impossible now for mm. anyone to get a foot on the ladder. Plus, we have whatever the fuck is going to happen at the end of March yeah. looming on people. Yeah. So but I think uncertainty, uncertainty and worry. But is I also think that those periods of time have always shown to be a really good time in kind of politicising young people. Like, the one thing you get... Young people are always, number one, they're so sure of their own minds. It's very exciting to be around someone who's just like, won't deviate, I'm right. Like, I love that. And I love the energy of young people um, who are like that. I, th- I think they're going to be a really exciting generation who get lots of things done. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I did. Um, I went to an event. Um, I did a speech for um, for Future's Sake, who is one of the youth anti-Brexit groups. And I was in a room with people who were, some of them, half my age. And I thought, oh, fuck. What I was doing at your age, categorically... Mm-hmm sitting in my pants, smoking pot, Mm. watching With Nell and I for the 473rd time. And you are trying to actively change the world. And it was the same when we were in Ireland, like before Repeal the Eighth. So, yeah, you're right. I think that young people are politicised. Yeah. And 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 another positive, while I do think that obviously social media must be so difficult to navigate for younger people, and it's something that we can't... we worry about, at least we do recognise things like anorexia in a really, really serious way for men and women in a way that it it was never understood. People didn't know that it was a serious kind of obsessive or autistic mental health problem. People thought it was fussy eating. There there was a lot of flippancy around it. 
I think also there are individuals who can have a massively positive effect just at, at, by what seem small gestures, but but you know have a have a huge ripple effect. I was with Lauren Steadman the other night, um, Paralympic athlete who was on Strictly Come Dancing, and she said that her Instagram photo always used to be with her good arm to the camera, and AJ said which she said also as a child she would always wear her prosthetic arm so that at school unless she was swimming people did not know that she didn't have two completely functioning arms and she said when she made the decision to do Strictly there was a temptation to use a prosthetic arm and then you know no one will see and I can just carry on and she thought no I'm not going to do that because when I compete and she's a triathlete and a, and a swimmer when I compete I don't have my prosthetic arm unless I'm riding a bike and she said now I never use the prosthetic arm unless I'm riding a bike and I need it for balance there's nothing that I can't do that everybody else can do and she she said her Instagram photo is now the other way around. And I thought, that's rich. She speaks so well. She'd be a great guest. She'd be, she's really, really good. And I think that's a very, you know, sport is not the most important thing in people's lives. It's something people enjoy. But two areas I work in, I think, have a much bigger effect. One is Paralympics and the other is women's sport. And I think it's really important to see women of all shapes and sizes mm playing sport, being competitive, getting hot and sweaty, getting dirty, get out there, yeah. no makeup, yeah. no airbrushing. Well, that's it. That, this girl can advert. And oh, it's brilliant. Like, just yeah. cry at all of them. Every single one. I, I find it so moving. And that is because it's not something I've seen a lot in my life. Mm -hmm. Just, yeah, just women for, their, for themselves or because they want to beat their competitors mm -hmm. or they want to beat the world record or be the best. It's exhilarating. Yeah, and it's something that you can, you know, any time you're going to tune into to women's sport, whatever Whatever the mm. sport is, frankly, you, you, they, you're going to see women as they are, as they really are. And I mm. think it's it's very rare now that, that that is on a mass scale. And I love, like, moments... For example, the England netballers winning the gold medal at the Commonwealth Games. The joy afterwards, the, and the same with the hockey players winning gold in Rio. To see women in a team mm. celebrating like that, mm. it, it makes me... I mean, it, yeah, it yeah. just makes me very emotional because we don't... When, they were, when the favourite won all its awards, at the BAFTAs the other night. Wasn't it interesting oh, how much huge. they referred to the fact it had taken 20 years to make that film? Yeah. But then Olivia Coleman, God love Olivia Coleman. Yeah. God love Olivia. <laughs> love that woman. You know, basically says what a brilliant, immediately shares the credit yes. with, yeah. with Emma Stone and Rachel Weisz because that's what she's like, but also yeah. that's what women are like when they work in a team and yeah. they recognise the team. Mm. And it is about shining it out not going oh it's all about me mm. it's interesting what you say about the Paralympics as well because we interviewed Rosie Jones oh, the yeah. comedian yeah. and she said that basically the Paralympics changed what it was to be a disabled person yeah. in this country not just for sports people but suddenly you know yeah. You can present TV programs, yes. you can do this. Yeah. We were talking about The Last Leg earlier. Yeah. What a yeah. well, Rosie's, Rosie was a runner on The Last Leg mm. and she's now a very successful comedian who's been on The Last Leg and on 8 out of 10 Cats and stuff. And it's so incredibly exciting um, because the other thing about if you're going to make a show about the Paralympics is you can't make it with a diverse team like there's so many conversations and that's what sometimes people don't understand about visibility or inclusivity is it's it has to go the entire way through and that's how you change a landscape agreed Jen all I will say is I've, if you've ever watched an Instagram video about contouring then yeah they've got it harder that's that is a crazy Why, so, art form yeah 
Well, like, you can watch it on Drag Race, can't you? They do it. I've never watched Drag Race. Oh, OK. Mm. It's like one long Instagram video about contouring. <laughs> <laughs> with, no, it's not, no, no, it's not. It's the most incredible. I think it made me a more confident woman. I really, I really, really do. Because if... Because it's about being looked at, it's about being looked at confidently, and that is not to do with the size of your bum, or like, everything's faked. Like, basically, if gay men can be very confident women, <laughs> so can I. <laughs> like, I it, it, was a, it was a real breakthrough. And also, it is um, all of the things that we shirked as feminists growing up, they are, have adopted as a form of artifice, and it makes sense of, oh, yeah, because that's not a woman, that's makeup, or that's not a woman, that's uncomfortable shoes <laughs> and, and it really it separates from the idea of what a woman should be it's, mm. it's, it's really fascinating and just yeah incredibly empathetic and if you think women have daddy issues <laughs> get into gay men's daddy issues <laughs> daddy issues daddy issues oh you know, sorry like, like, I did me being ignorant what's that mean you know, daddy issues what like a weird relationship with your dad like a weird kind of rejection didn't really know who I, did, daddy issues <laughs> you know daddy issues right <laughs> Everyone's got daddy issues, no? You don't have daddy issues? I, I okay. want Claire's dad. If, if Claire doesn't know what it means, I think that that's... No, a no, 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 no. I mean, yeah, he never yeah. took any interest in anything I did. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, that's your daddy issue. Oh, okay, got it. I just didn't realise it was a thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it, it's all dads. Even, it's, just, it's a very difficult... And I'm sure it's the same with sons. I can't talk for being a man. It's just, it's just a weird relationship, isn't it? I think they just... Men of a certain age, they just don't really... They just don't really get it, do well, they? Well, they were, they were brought up not <laughs> to communicate know. or not yeah, to express their exactly. emotions. But actually, for most men, they were really done over by the culture. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 On that note, do I... What is that on my jeans? OK, we'll just ignore that. Because you haven't washed them. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, no. Yes. <laughs> it looks really suspicious. Anyway, moving on. Um... <laughs> Have you ever wished that you were a man at any point in your life? I did for a long swathe of my childhood. I, do you know what? That's, the th um, that's why p trans people and people who are non-binary make complete sense to me, and I don't understand people who don't understand it, because there was a long swathe where I secretly thought, maybe that's because I'm not a girl. And then I, I think what the, my final realisation was, but I'm not a boy either. <coughs> And then my realisation was, oh, and when people explain to you about gender being a construct, oh, I just wasn't a right kind, or things that I thought would just be natural if you're a woman I don't have. I'm not particularly nurturing. I'm very bossy. Um, I was always shouting. So please don't use the word bossy. Yeah, I hate old. it. Do you I hate, hate bossy, it. do you? Yeah, I hate it because I think it's only ever used a woman. Oh, really? Assertive. Assertive. There's a whole Beyonce thing about it. I'm not bossy, I'm the boss. Oh, I see. Mm. The reason, OK, I'm just going to defend the fact that I am bossy. I mean, you're you're, you're very... You're yeah. very oh, of course, yes. you can use any word you want, mm. and it's about yourself. Yes. But I, I have a particular... Yeah, I, you're absolutely I'm right. It's good to be Very anti-bossy. But I am I'm a bit like... And I'm bossy in particular towards men. But it is like, do that. It's because you're the boss. No, no it's not because I'm the boss. I'm his girlfriend. <laughs> And he really hates it. We've just moved house and we've both gone, you're so bossy. <laughs> you're so bossy. I used to yeah. get called bossy a lot. Yeah. And I have got 
I mean, I've got a crazy big family, but I've got a lot of cousins, and I was one of the older ones. Mm-hmm. And so, basically, school holidays for me, I was running an illegal nursery, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Anywhere up to about eight children, I would be looking after at any one point. And I gained this reputation for being bossy. And I was like, find me a 15-year-old kid who can look after that many kids yeah. and not be bossy. Yeah. <laughs> like, have, like, it's not a bad but thing. Also, I just think it saves time. Yeah, <laughs> that's my basic thing. There isn't a lot of time to yeah. get everything done. It would yeah. just save a lot of time if you did this right now. Yeah, and you did it before we have a discussion about it because this is the thing we're going to do anyway. So just do it. Yeah. So, did you ever want want to be a man? I, I, I was um, I was I was a tomboy, classic tomboy, and and um, I think I did because I thought if I was a boy, I would be allowed to ride in the Grand National. Um, but then I discovered that in other equestrian sports, women were really, really good at them, and they were allowed to do them, like eventing and show jumping and stuff. And the dancing with horses. And the dressage, mate. Dressage, yeah. <laughs> the dancing. Bring on the dancing horses. Right. Yeah, it was before that was as cool a thing as it is now. <laughs> but, yeah, it was... Bit, so I sort of... So yes, I had moments where I thought... My dad will come and take an interest in me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> He'll come and watch yeah. me play sports. Yeah. So the sports at school was an odd thing, because um, I don't know if it's changed or if it's different schools now, but there were sports at school that the girls didn't play. Um, so I played football outside of school for a women's team, but at school, that, that was never offered. We didn't get to play rugby or cricket. And there was an important division. Girls don't do that. But there's, have... there were a lot of girls, um, women who made the England football team, actually, ultimately, who pretended to be boys because they they had to yes. it was the only way they could get a decent game of football I yeah. mean really for a long time would, wow. would yes. play as a boy well yeah. Cheryl and I my younger sister the minute she started school we would play on the same pitch as the boys using the same goals but just the two of us so there were two balls <laughs> me and my sister Cheryl playing and then all of these boys who hated us so much <laughs> because we were on their pitch it's a really yeah. good opening that as well <laughs> <laughs> So to my future. Yeah, I remember, before I, your cousin escapes yes, from jail, of just course, that vision yeah. of the but you I, two girls on the pitch. I remember being when I said to an adult, uh, maybe my, one of my mum's sisters, about wanting to play in the World Cup for England, being said, "You can't. You're a girl." Like, I, I remember that so clearly. But I love yes. now that you, exactly. they wouldn't say no, you they can't. Wouldn't say that. Yeah. And there's a World Cup coming up this summer in yeah. France. Ooh. England and Scotland both in it. You probably know that. I don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jen, did you ever want to be a man? Um, once when I tried to use a sheepy at Glastonbury. Didn't end well. <laughs> sheepy. Didn't end well. Sheepy's going to make it messier than just doing it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah apparently so. Can't wash those shots. <laughs> Can't wash them. Yeah. Yeah, so, that's, so it's a really odd implement, wasn't it? There was one festival, it was last year, but they sent them out to all of the performers... What, before you got there? You know, it's in like a gift, like, oh, have these, have, sh- have a sheepy. Kind to piss in. Yeah. And they then, gave it to everyone at the start of the moonwalk. When I did the I moonwalk, did we all got given a sheepy. But, but squatting is just, it's fine. more efficient. Yeah. 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 Quite hard on the knees. Oh. If you've got dodgy knees, it's yeah. difficult. Yeah, no, it is an art. I can remember when I was little, it, yeah, it took a while before you weren't just doing it in a sock. <laughs> 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 Maybe more information than you needed yeah. to know. <laughs> so, so, so sheepy is standing up. Yeah, you have to. Um, uh, it's basically a fancy uh, funnel. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the undercarriage kind of thing, and then. So it's a bit. So it's quite wide. It really the, doesn't the work. Hand it's action not. was unnecessary. The, um, the, the thing. <laughs> so my friend got stage fright. 
and I had the opposite problem. I'd flooded it and it <laughs> really bad. The thing that I that somebody does need to vent is how you can piss in a car. That's the in thing. In a car? Yeah, you know when you're stuck in a traffic jam and you know, you know men are weeing in bottles in other cars yeah. and you're like, how, how can, how well, can that, I wee now? That's why Sarah Millican's routine about that is so perfect. Yeah, everyone knows it. It's just because now everyone knows just take an Oasis bottle. Uh, yeah. Actually, another year, my friend took a uh, Pringles tube to Glastonbury. Okay. And then the festival after that, she just took a bucket because she was like, they don't hold liquid that well, actually, uh, Pringles tubes. It wasn't me, it was my friend. Yeah. Um, who was that? There was a the woman, the astronaut, the jealous astronaut lady who wore the big adult nappies, because astronauts have nappies. Oh. So maybe everyone should just have one of those in their car. Yeah. That but then amazing. you've got to get the nappy on, because you won't have worn it in advance no. in case you get stuck in traffic, so that's yeah. tricky. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, people, you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> That is all we have time for. But I was just going to say, yeah. they did build service stations for that, for yes. that inte- with that yes. intention, didn't oh, they? Oh, here's an interesting fact. There aren't yes. enough of them, but there yeah. are service stations. Until the, did you know that in London, all of the toilets were for gentlemen, were for men, and women, especially because they wanted to have a drink somewhere, couldn't be out of the house for very long. So it was very, very... Um, it very limited what they could do and lion's tea houses were the first places that had female toilets so women could go there and drink tea and that's why women would just visit each other because they couldn't be away from yeah. the bathroom there was nowhere to go god that's so, so toilets is There's an important part, part of they had it freedom. tougher yeah they had it tougher <laughs> yeah and as they they walked around with no toilets everyone was like you fat bitch yeah. <laughs> didn't have Pringles tubes either, so, you know. There's no Pringles. You're retaining water. (laughs) So, before we go, does anybody have anything to plug? What are you up to, Sarah Pascoe? Um, um, I'm doing, I'm filming my show at the London Palladium. There's two shows on the 10th of March, if anyone would like to come. It'll be the last time I do that show, and I'd love to see you there. How much are the tickets? Very expensive. (laughs) £450. Are there? Claire can sort you out. If you do need a ticket. (laughs) Me and Paul McCartney were going. (laughs) Claire? Uh, I've just finished the final draft and I've got to go to a copy edit this weekend of my next children's book, which is called The Racehorse Who Learned to Dance. (laughs) You're going to love it, Anna. It's about dressage. Dancing with horses. But it has a Paralympic um, uh, heroine, actually, or a, a, a child with a disability who's dreaming of the Paralympics. Excellent. Yes. Jen, what would you like to plug? Oh, I'd like to plug our podcast. Um, so we have podcasts every week, and three weeks of a month is a magazine for ears, we like to call it. And that's me, Hannah, and Mickey chatting about stuff <laughs> with women. And then... A Brexit. We, that has come up a few times. Um, and then we also have one week of the month is one of these, uh, a gig cast. And we have that instead of the Ear magazine. And if you enjoyed this evening, uh, the next two events that are here, we are in Birmingham next month, but the next two events here are April the 18th and May the 19th. Mm. And we booked some guests just today. today. So, Jen, who have we got? Oh, you're hearing this before anyone else. On April the 18th, Jane Horrocks. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then on May the 19th, uh, joining Cindy V is Catherine Tate. God, good guests. So, great guests. You know what to do. And also, you can follow us on Twitter, at Standard Issue UK, and there'll be all the information there about where to go and buy your tickets. 
I have two things that I'd like to plug. The first one is if you go to Standard Issue UK or you go to at that Dunleavy, today we tweeted the Love Equality petition uh, because same-sex couples in Northern Ireland still cannot get married, which is a fucking outrage. Um, Amnesty and Love Equality have put a petition out. Go on there and sign that if you can. It's Valentine's Day. Um, that would be a nice thing to do for Valentine's Day. And the second thing is, talking to daddy issues, I have a <laughs> podcast um, that, I, that I launched earlier in January. Um, this week is National Children of Alcoholics Week. That's me. Um, I'm doing a podcast. It's called The Drink, where I go for a drink with a different person every week and just talk about what they drink or they don't drink. Um, and they tell me funny stories about when they were 18 and they fell over um, into trees and things like that. <laughs> so this week I was talking to Paul Sinner, but there's loads of other stuff on there. Lou Comran, the Scummy Mummies, Greg Jenner. So if you'd like to give that a listen, that's called The Drink. So thank you very, very much for being here. We've had a lovely evening. If you could join me in thanking our guests by the medium of banging your hands together, Sarah Pascoe. <laughs> Jen has been Jen Offord, and I have been Hannah Dunleavy. Thank you very much. Good night. Standard issue for all women.